You are listening to First Church Charlotte. All right, uh, we are uh, getting into the scripture here together. Before we do that, I do want to take a moment and us to pray for the Gulf Coast. Looks like they have another big hurricane bearing down on them. And I know this has got to be exhausting for them. Uh, It's exhausting for me, and I'm not even there. And so how much worse must it be if you're living through this? Uh, So uh, just, if you would, just direct your attention toward them and their circumstance. And let's pray that God would be with them and protect them in this trial. Lord Jesus, you know exactly the difficulty that our brothers and sisters down in the Gulf Coast area are going to be facing as this storm bears down upon them. Lord, we're asking you would protect them. We're asking you would give them courage in the face of their distress. Uh, Give them the strength to make it through whatever comes and to uh, come out with, with confidence and knowledge that they can overcome, they can rebuild. Protect them, I pray. Protect the churches down there. Protect the homes of, of your people. In Jesus' name, I pray. And somebody say, Amen. All right. So I am uh, preaching today from this subject, and I wanted to come up with a really positive, uplifting subject for you so you would be really, really encouraged. So I came up with this one, staring failure in the face. Is that encouraged anybody? Nobody was encouraged on that? Oh, okay. I, I was trying to encourage you. Uh, I, maybe I'm preaching a little bit too real world, and I am wanting you to recognize Uh, that if you do anything in life, you will have to deal, deal with the fear and sometimes the reality of failure. How many of you have lived long enough that you can say amen to that? Uh, I am, I am, uh, very much aware in my own life of how, how doing anything in the kingdom of God comes with a sense of risk. Uh, it comes with a sense of, I, I don't know how good I did. I don't know if it was a big waste of everybody's time. Uh, I'm aware of that, and I'm aware of how easy it is to uh, be critical of yourself. Now, most of you guys would never criticize yourself, uh, but there are some people, um, uh, such as people who shall not be mentioned, uh, who are very, very, it's just, it's their natural habit to, to be self-critical. And anything they try to do, there's this voice, you, you know who I'm preaching to, you know, you, know, you know I'm preaching to some of you. No matter what you do, there's this voice in the back of your head, and that voice is saying, that wasn't good enough. You aren't good enough. It didn't work. You're embarrassing. You should be embarrassed. You should just go home and hide and binge on Netflix. But that fear is not yours alone. It is very much uh, what it feels like to try to do anything uh, that matters. I, I, spent, I spent the last week, uh, last six weeks, I should say, studying the life of Daniel and the three Hebrew children. We went on a series through the Scripture together entitled uh, Storm, Seri- Storm Season. And I didn't know that right after that sermon series, we were going to have a storm hit the coast. Uh, Evidently, I uh, was timing it just right. Uh, That seems to have worked out. And so (laughs) I spent six weeks studying, reading, and thinking about Daniel and the three Hebrew children. And the thing about their life is it's so dramatic. It's filled with so much uh, risk 
so much potential disaster. Uh, and every time, it's like they dodge the bullet. It's like every time uh, it works out, every time God is with them. Uh, when they, they take a stand, uh, it's not just that God saves their soul. We know he does that for all of us. But God intervenes in the here and now in a powerful way, in a way that all of us want God to intervene in our life. I want God's relationship with me, not simply to be a relationship of uh, I believe, but I want him to demonstrate his presence in my life. Does anyone feel that way here today? I want him to, I want him to demonstrate the reality of his, of his uh, presence in, in my life. And uh, so when I read about these young men in a kingdom that was not their own and they're put in a terrible situation as a type of uh, favored slave, that's basically what they are, um, and out of this terrible situation where their homeland has been destroyed, their families have been separated, uh, they've been taken from everything they know, placed in another governmental system, uh, studying another nation's language, another nation's laws, it would almost seem like a spiritual apocalypse for them. And yet, in spite of that, they find this way to honor God. They find this way to, to not, um, not worship any other God and to save their, the devotion of their heart for, for, for God, for Yahweh and Yahweh alone. And it's so inspirational. And uh, they're threatened and they're lied about and they're attacked and uh, they're threatened with a fiery furnace, and God is with them even in the fiery furnace. I want God to be with me in my fiery furnaces. And, and then if that's not, all these dramatic stories, and the king has a dream, and he, uh, he doesn't know the dream, so he's going to kill everybody, including their, these three Hebrew children and Daniel, and they don't even know what's going on. They're, they're like, why? Why are you killing us? And and then they pray. We've got to pray about this. And guess what? God answers their request uh, for um, interpretation and revelation of the dream. And it's so, it's, that's the kind of walk we want to have. We, we don't want to just be challenged and kind of survive. We want to be challenged and then we transcend through the power of God. Grant it, Lord, in Jesus' name. And can all the church folks say amen? And yet, there's a moment before every victory where you don't know how uh, the end is going to come. Uh, I, I should remind you that not everyone placed in risk is delivered in a manner of divine testimony uh, to show the power of God at that moment in that place to those people. Uh, some people's testimony are that they, they actually died in their faith. Um, and although that is impressive to us and it moves us in our spirit, uh, nobody really wants that, right? I mean, we don't want to be the ones who get eaten by lions. Yes. Maybe you like being appetizer. I don't. I, I don't taste good. Just, just trust me. And, and uh, we want to be the, and yet some people were fed to the lions. There's this moment right before you face, uh, right before you experience God's power where you, you stare failure, failure in the face. And 
So for us, the story of Daniel and the three Hebrew children, it reads like young men of great ability, and they, they, they face the enemy, and then God comes through, as church folks say, and then they had a threat against their life, and then he's an on-time God. Yes, he is, as church folks says. And then the, they lied about him, but God defended him, and you get the idea. That's not how it felt to be them. It felt like risk after risk after risk, trial after trial, threat after threat after threat, and God is with them. I want you to know that if you have in your life this repeated sense that that you don't know how this circumstance is going to end. If, if you face dilemmas and you would like this to be the answer God gives, but sometimes uh, this over here is the answer God gives, and you don't know right before you realize that God is with you, right before you realize that He is going to help you, come what may, you face failure, and you stare failure in the face, and you have to decide whether or not what you say you believe is worth enough to you to risk everything. You face failure. Um, let me show you from the story of Daniel this moment where we see how impressive he is. Uh, the queen uh, says this about Daniel, and now remember, the queen is the uh, probably the greatest. Um, they represent the greatest um, kingdom in the world at this time. Uh, they have conquered Egypt. Um, maybe, you know, there's other places that are impressive, but they're far, far away. And the queen of this great kingdom, speaking of a servant, Daniel, says this. This is chapter 5, verse number 12. This man, Daniel, has a sharp mind and is filled with knowledge and understanding. He can interpret dreams, explain the meaning of mysteries, and solve difficult problems. Call for Daniel. He will tell you what your dream means. He will tell you what it means. Now, Coming from a queen, this is high, high praise, because a queen is used to you being impressed with her. She's not used to being impressed with you. Daniel's that kind of an individual. So the king calls Daniel in verse 14, and he says this, I have heard that the Spirit of God is in you, that you possess brilliant knowledge and extraordinary Wisdom. How many of you would like to have that said about you, that you have brilliant knowledge and extraordinary, extraordinary wisdom? Um, yes, okay, these are amazing things to say about Daniel, but here's a young man who has been threatened. He has been lied about. His family's been destroyed. He's been removed from everything he knows, and they're talking about how great he is. That's not how it has felt to be Daniel. Um, I... I preached uh, my uncle Bernard Elms' uh, anniversary, his 50th pastoral anniversary. After pastoring in um, Los Angeles for 60 years, I, w I preached um, that event for him. And it was a, one of the, uh, it wasn't the biggest event I've ever done, but to me, it was one of the most honorable, I would say it's the most honorable thing I've ever felt like that I've done as a minister to honor someone when I preached that. And I, I, preached, a, I preached a message, I preached here many years ago about the Bramble King and the curse of a Bramble King. And you won't remember it because that's the way it is, but 
uh, it was an insight I had in the scripture. And when I was asked to do that, I was, I was, I was wanting, that was the message I preached. And I, it's real fresh in my mind. And the way I introduced uh, the message was uh, I told my experience of watching my Uncle Bernard pastor there in Los Angeles. I pre- my wife and I were there a lot when we were traveling. And I told the church that uh, however, and these were wonderful people who had been with him many, many years, I said, I, 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 would, I would offer this, having, uh, having uh, been an evangelist, having been on a church staff, having been a lead pastor myself, however you think it feels to be in ministry, I promise you, you would be surprised to discover exactly how it feels. And you would think after your pastor maybe had a great weekend and the Spirit of the Lord was there and a lot of people were baptized, say, or an event that you did at the church, you know, you would, you would think that uh, the pastor at or after that event would go home and you'd kind of just sit back and you're like, man, that's just some good stuff. And you would feel like, you know, you had sort of arrived And I told that church this, however you think it feels, I promise you that is not how it feels. So any of you, if you've ever tried to do anything for God, and you should be trying to do something for God, uh, it's not too late or too early to try to do something for God. You all have abilities. You all have talents. Uh, You should seek to see what God could use you today. Can the church say amen? As a pastoral team, we want to continually give you opportunities uh, to, to grow in uh, your efforts for God. We want to empower you to be a minister, not just to watch someone else be a minister. How about another big amen? And so if you try to do anything, you will stare failure in the face. Because before you even try, you will feel like it's not enough. Why will you feel like it's not enough? Because you're trying to make a difference. And when you try to make a difference, no matter how good you do, compared to the need, you always feel like a pebble tossed into the ocean. Um, I occasionally will preach a message that I liked. Sometimes I like it more than you. There's a solid chance I'm going to like this one today more than you liked it. That's how that works. And after it's over... No matter how good you thought or I thought it was, it's like a pebble tossed into an ocean. The need represented is so much greater than anything you and I could ever do. If you ever volunteer for an organization to try to help people, if you try to work in uh, parts of our society that are tremendously needy, if you ever try to help young people, no matter what you do, the needs of those young people will be so much greater that you will be left with a sense of staring failure in the face. I am even so challenging all of you to try to make a difference. See that if you're going to follow in the path of your Savior, Jesus Christ, you're going to have to turn away from the service of self. 
You're going to have to turn away from making your life primarily about satisfying yourself, satiating yourself, pleasing yourself, entertaining yourself. And you're going to have to try to let the heart of God be manifest through your love toward other people. That is your cross of redemptive purpose. If you want to be like Jesus, you have to turn away from the self. You have to pick up your cross. How will you make a broken world whole? Don't say you're too busy. Don't say you don't have time. Don't say you don't have talent. This is what it means to be a Christian. Well, I thought being a Christian meant I went to church 2.4 times a month. No, that is not what makes you a Christian. That helps you be a Christian. That doesn't make you be a Christian. Well, I thought I was a Christian because I follow most of the rules the preacher talks about. No, that is worship for the goodness of God in your life, not a plan of being good enough for God. All right? So how, what am I saying? You need to turn away from a life of pleasing self and say, God, help me to see the kingdom of God through the people you have placed in my life that I might show uh, my manifestation of your heart to them. If they see that you have love one toward another, then they'll know you are truly my disciples. One of the last uh, lessons that Jesus offers to his uh, disciples was exactly that. If, if you have love one to another, then they will uh, know that you are my disciples. And so uh, I want to do something for God. I know you, uh, uh, at least some part of you, wants to make a difference in your world. Uh, we, mo- we do that most effectively in partnership with a local church. And I don't just say that because we're a local church. Uh, This is actually not even simply my opinion or my thoughts. This is a biblical idea. The local church is God's plan to make a difference in a community. The local church is God's plan to make a difference in society. Uh, We are incomplete spiritually when we are alone. We need to be joined with others who have different talents, different gifts, different callings. And together, spiritual wholeness is birthed. This is the job of a local church. So all of you who make an effort to stay connected to the local church, I want to say thank you. That is part of spiritual wholeness in your life. Now you have a chance to be much more effective than if you had isolated yourself. If you're not connected to church, if you're perhaps watching this somewhere, you need to find a local church and you need to commit to that local church. That local church will not be perfect That means there's room for you. You should commit to that local church because you being, say, an elbow can't say you don't need a shoulder. You are spiritually incomplete. It is our uniqueness fitly joined together. This is Bible that God brings spiritual wholeness and out of that becomes the body of Christ that can make a difference in the church. I wish I could get a big amen. I wish I could get another big amen. And so uh, I want you to desire to make a difference, and I want you to connect with other people who want to make a difference. And then I want to confess to you that having committed to make some attempt to make a difference in your world, um, you're going to almost immediately face a sense of failure. Because no matter what you do, the need is going to be greater than that. And you have to decide beforehand that the feelings of failure are not going to be enough to ever make you quit. You are not going to quit because you feel like you have failed. 
I wonder if any of you have ever heard of a, a thing called atikiphobia. Have you ever heard of atikiphobia? Um, if you haven't, it is the debilitating, irrational, and persistent fear of failing. Some people live with a debilitating, consistent, irrational uh, fear of uh, failure, and uh, it can be a mood disorder, yes. It can be an anxiety disorder, yes. It can be an eating disorder. That's my problem. I, I can't stop eating because I'm afraid I'm going to fail, and so I keep eating because, you know, there's something on that plate and quitters never win. So... <laughs> Uh, failure is a real deal. I mean, it, it's, uh, um, we face it. Our life can feel like it's a mess. We feel like we face the worst days of our life. We tried to do something good, and we face the worst day of our life. And I heard a story about a, a man who uh, stopped in a biker bar for a drink, and he's sitting there staring at his, his large uh, whiskey. And uh, about that time, a big, rough violent-looking biker comes by, grabs the man's whiskey away from him and drinks the whole thing down and slaps it down on the bar and says, what you going to do about that? And uh, the man said, well, I, I, nothing, honestly. I've just had the worst day of my life. I'm a complete failure. I just got fired from my job as a toxicologist. And when I got to the parking lot, I found my car had been stolen, and I had to Uber home, and I Ubered home, and I found my wife with another man, and I decided to end it all, and I came into this bar, and I, 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 I bought a drink, and I dropped my favorite poison in it, and I've been sitting here staring at this drink. I've been staring at this drink trying to get my courage up, and then you show up and steal my house drink, so enough about me. How's your day going? You try to do anything for God, it's going to be days like that because no matter what you do, you're going to be left with a sense there's so much more that you want to do. That feeling of failure is not a good reason not to keep trying and keep learning. We as a leadership team here at First Church, we're always looking for passion. And when we find people of passion, we feel it's our job to empower that passion into ministry. And so that's what we strive to do here. And we, do, we take an iterative approach. That means we're not looking for a perfect plan. We're looking for a plan good enough to try right now. And then we learn, and we're always amazed at the things we think we know. True story. Um, this past, um, this last uh, Prosper You backpack drive that we did, um, I, I, uh, we were excited about it. We had uh, raised money for it. We had money given for it. And, and it's back to school, and uh, we're coming out of COVID. And I, I declare from this day forward, COVID should be a curse word. Uh, someone should say, look, you get out of that car, I'm going to knock the COVID out of you. That, it should be a curse word from hence day and hereby forevermore. And so don't look at me like that. I'll come over there and knock the COVID off your face. You see what I'm saying? See how that just works? It just works. I like it. And so I, I want you to, I, 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 was, I was like blawed out about it. And, and Tiffany's like trying to be positive about it. She's like, oh, trying to encourage everybody. It's going to be okay. And I'm all hang dog because, you know, Delta's back. And, we, and uh, you know, we can't, have, we can't have the people the normal way. And we're going to have to have them drive through. And I'm happy depressed, and, 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 and Tiffany's trying to encourage me. She's like, we're going to be the Chick-fil-A of drive through ministry. <laughs> that was pretty encouraging. I was like, I'll take a three-piece spicy chicken. Um, uh, you know, we're trying to encourage ourselves, but you know what? We, we found out some things we didn't know. We actually found out that drive, driving through for Prosper U works awesome. Yeah. We found out they can't hide from you when it's time to pray. <laughs> They're stuck in their car. 
What? Score one for the prayer team. We had a prayer team set up over, a prayer tent set up over here and a prayer tent set over there. And there was real ministry happening as these people, normally they hide from me. They know I'm the preacher. They're like, my God, I don't want to talk to the preacher. He's going to try to save me. I'm tired of being saved. I just want my free stuff and I want to leave. But now they're stuck in their car and they can't get out and they drive back there. And Ernest is like, my God, it's time to pray. We're going to pray right now. They're like, are we done yet? Ernest is like, no, we're not done yet. We're going to pray a little bit more. And, and Lisa's over here and they're like, can we go now? She's like, my God, I feel like laying hands on somebody right now. <laughs> it was awesome. And they're literally, I mean, people are breaking down in their cars. They're crying. They're praying. They're giving prayer requests. We found out that not only was that not a bad way to do it, but the drive-through prayer model works so well, we're going to find a way to start having drive-throughs on weekends where anybody can stop through and we'll pray with them, and our community will see this church, see all of you out there saying, can I pray with you today? Is there something we can agree upon? Can I pray blessing in your life? Yeah. The point is, is we oftentimes we're our own worst enemy because we're staring failure in the face. We haven't even tried yet, and we're already dealing with issues of uh, being afraid of failure. Now, so uh, I want you to see that you're not alone in this reality. I'm not alone in this reality. I wish that it, this message did not apply to me, but... Full confessions, um, I feel uh, one of the most common emotional battles I feel and I fight um, is that I fight that sense of failure, like nothing I do matters and blah, 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 woe is me. And the Lord gave me Charla to tell me that I am silly and I should shut up as soon as possible. And so that's what she does. This is ridiculous. In fact, half the time I will walk in and she will see my body language and roll her eyes before I ever open my mouth. That, children, is why you should think long and hard before you get married, just, just so you should know that. It's, uh, hey, well, hey, if I come down there, there's going to be trouble. If I come down there, there's going to be trouble. That's all I got to say about that. This sense of failure is not just you. Do you see what I'm saying? It's not just you. Let me read one of the patriarchs. 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 Um, you wouldn't think that a patriarch would feel this way. This is uh, Genesis 47, verse number 9. And Jacob said to Pharaoh, The days of the years of my pilgrimage are 130 years, few and evil. Somebody say it with me. Few and evil. Say it real pitiful. Few and evil have been the days, have the days of the years of my life been. I have not attained unto the days of the years of the life of my fathers. I want you to see here's a patriarch, and he is dealing with issues of failure. I could go on. I could show you prophets like Elijah, who says, just take me now, Lord. I'm not better than my fathers. And the Lord said, whatever. Uh, go to sleep. Get some rest. We'll talk later. It's not just them. You can find kings where David is writing a, a mournful worship song, and he's talking about how bad things are. You can find stories of the apostles, uh, exhausted, weary, on and on and on and on. Facing failure is part of the journey. But I want you to know... Uh, 
That feeling, that emotion cannot be a reason for you to give up because you are called and you are empowered and you are blessed. You're not just a nobody, my brother and sister. You have been entrusted with the needs of a generation. You have been placed in a community. You can make a difference and let the church say amen. Facing that feeling of failure is, is a real thing. And uh, we read in Hebrews chapter number 11, verse number 39, uh, this is about the people of faith who had lived as a testimony of faith. Every one of those people died, but they still had faith, even though they had not received what they had been promised. Now, let me point something out here that is very unchurchy. This is an unchurchified thing to point out, but I, I want you to, to get this. Um, we move right along in that scripture because um, we're looking at it religiously, and that's good, and that's right. We're seeing it through faith, inspirationally. That's all good and right. But from the eyes of the flesh, if you lived your whole life for something and you die before you get it, that's failure. Do you see how if you look at things with a short-term view, it looks like failure? And God's saying these individuals are testimonies that the people of faith can overcome anything that, are, that is brought against them. All right, so five things that you need to know about facing failure. When you look it in the eye, when you admit that there is fear within you, that something you tried is not going to work, uh, I want you to, to, to get these five truths down in, in your heart. Let me give them to you first, and then I'll go through them. Number one, failure is a learning opportunity. Number two, you need to take the long view of your efforts. Number three, humble yourself already. You're not too good to fail. Number four, view failure through your value views and not your lusts or your wants. And number five, be a worshiper. Even in the face of failure, be a worshiper. All right, number one, I want to show you biblically that failure is a learning opportunity. It is not to be seen as the end of anything. It is a learning opportunity. Remember what I talked about, how our church, we look at all ministries as learning things and we do them iterations. We try this and then we make adjustments and we try that and we learn and we get better at things. Most of the ministries that we do now that seem to be working very, very well from our perspective, um, uh, they didn't start that way. There was a learning process going on. This is not just positive mental attitude. This is not just some self-help self or personal growth guru telling you to do this. I want to show this to you biblically. What is my thesis? It is this. Failure is a learning opportunity, and we should never stop learning. Proverbs 23 and 12, commit yourself to instruction and tune in your ears to hear words of knowledge. Never stop learning. Ezekiel 10 and 10, if Excuse me, Ecclesiastes 10 and 10, not Ezekiel's. There's only one Ezekiel. Uh, we're going to stick with Ecclesiastes. If an axe is dull and its edge is unsharpened, more strength is needed. But skill will bring success. How about Proverbs 19, verse number 8? Do yourself a favor and learn all you can, then... 
remember what you learn and you will prosper. That's like life advice for all these beautiful young people down here on the front. Proverbs 4 and verse number 13, always remember what you have learned. Your education is your life, so guard it well. I want to be clear. I know there are some churches that are kind of anti-education in in their own way. Uh, We are not one of them. We believe no matter how much you learn, your faith can be stronger than everything you learn. We believe that. Um, You were created to make a difference. You were given everything you need to make a difference. You were placed to make a difference. And yet failure will try to make you stop. And if failure is enough to make you stop, you won't need a demon to fight you. You won't need hell to fight you. You will have simply stopped because the fear and the pain of failure is too real in your life. I'm here to tell you, failure is a learning opportunity, and we never stop learning. Number two, you need to take a longer view of your efforts than the moment where it feels like you are not making a difference. Job chapter number eight, verse number eight. Ask the former generations and find out what their fathers learned. For we were born only yesterday and we know so little. I know some of you like to say you weren't born yesterday, but you're wrong. The Bible says you were. You were just born yesterday. But there's lessons that are eternal. Take a longer view on anything you do for for God. If you try to accomplish anything in a career, young people, if you try to build a business, if you try to learn a skill, if you try to invest in yourself, you're going to have to learn how to fail, pick yourself back up, and try again. You're going to have to learn how to not do good in a class, pick yourself back up, and choose character, not entertainment. Because it's character that says failure will not stop me. I will not be defeated by failure. Can I have an amen from all the young people? That was the quietest amen ever. It's all right. I'll take it anyway. I want you to see this is not a good enough reason to quit. Take a longer view. I learned something from failure, and I am back into the battle again. 1 Corinthians chapter number 10, verse number 6. The apostle Paul writes, these things, and he's talking about Old Testament stories. These things occurred as examples to warn us and keep us from wanting to do the same evil thing they did. For Scripture says we should avoid drunken parties and sexual immorality and worshiping things that aren't God. We should not test the Lord's patience or grumble and complain as some did and died. These things happened as examples and were written down as warnings for us. Remember, when it feels like you're failing, uh, you're not the only one who is learning by getting yourself back into the game. You're not the only one who is learning to put yourself back together. You're not the only one who is learning how to try and try again. You are showing other people the manner in which a strong person pushes ahead. Most successful business uh, people uh, go bankrupt the first time or two they try. Uh, That's a true story. Uh, You can look up the data for yourself. Most uh, billionaires uh, went bankrupt before they made their uh, millions. And uh, most millionaires had some business setbacks and, and, and even bankruptcies before they made their money. Failure is really not about your identity. It's about your character. 
And if you don't have character, the failure is enough to make you stop. But if you do have character, character can overcome any feeling of identity. Character can say, I will not quit. I will not stop. Character wins in the end of the day. So take a longer view of your efforts. As a business person myself, I have done seven businesses in my life. I have done seven businesses. Two of them survived. Two of them were abject failures. One of them never even got off the ground, and two of them did pretty, pretty stinking good, if I say so myself. See, that's how you give yourself a pat on the back. Man, my shoulder hurts. Anyway, I want you to see, you can't say my first effort was enough, therefore I will quit. This is what I want you to show. If that's true, if that's true in our business lives, if that's true in our career lives, if that's true in our educational lives, do not stop when your small group doesn't do as well as you wanted it to. Do not stop when the first time you pray for somebody, your words don't sound official enough. <laughs> do not stop just because you were doing good and then you fell into sin. You fell into lust. Uh, there is an antidote to sin. Call upon the name of the Lord and can some church folks Amen. Number three, humble yourself already. You're not too good to fail. There's no assurance that everything you touch is going to turn to gold. Uh, people who pretend like everything they touch turns to gold are usually con men or women. Most of us learn. Most of us have setbacks. Most of us have struggle. Get over yourself already. That's some fine preaching. Thank you very much. I'll, I'll take my time. Humble yourself already. None of us are too good to fail. So let me say it this way. Humility is like anesthesia for failure. And when the failure hurts, smile at yourself and say, you're not too good to fail. There's no shortcuts in life. You're just going to have to pick yourself up, dust yourself off, and get your big hide back in the battle. All right, moving along. Reverence for the Lord is an education in itself, Proverbs 15 and 33. You must be humble before you can ever receive honors. How about James 4, verse number 6? God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourself already. Humility is like anesthesia for your feelings of failure. Musicians come, I'm almost done. Number four, always view your efforts through your values, not your wants, wishes, and lusts. View your efforts, your efforts in any arena, view them through your values, not your wants, your wishes, or your lusts. If your desire is to make people think you have more money than you actually have, well, that just means you're dating, and that's what dating people do. <laughs> That's funny. I don't care if you don't laugh or not. If you want people to think you're more clever than you actually are, well, that's just dating, you know. Uh, <laughs> all right, moving along. Um, what you do with that is you want to put this image of yourself that is not your character. That's not the image you're putting out there. It's your possessions. That's what you're putting out there. This is a recipe for a miserable life because no matter how fancy your car is, your neighbor will end up with one fancier. 
No matter how fast you are, someone will be faster. No matter how smart you are, someone will be smarter. And so what you want to put out there as identity is not what you own. You want to put character out there as identity. You know how you do that? You don't just tell about the testimony. You tell about the test. You see, now people see you not in your possessions, not in your accomplishments. You see, when you're insecure, you have to try to buoy yourself up, and we're all insecure. Somebody settle that right now, including me. You have this tendency to buoy yourself up and act like you're better and smarter and richer than you actually are. This is uh, not the path. We must view our efforts even failure through our values, not through our wants, our wishes, and our lust. Proverbs 15, verse number 14. A wise person is hungry for truth while the fool feeds on trash. Here's the truth. I've tried a lot of things and a bunch of them didn't work, but a couple did, and I only needed one or two. Now, that's truth. Here is trash. Everything I touch turns to gold. Look at me. I'm rolling. Look at me. I'm too cool for everybody. Look at me. I've got so... You see what I'm saying? That is identity as possession. It's a game. It's a joke, and you're the joker in the game. Put your character out there. Character is this. Yes, that didn't turn out too well, but I'm back into the fight. I will not be denied. Satan, you're not going to get me to quit. Sure, I'm imperfect, but I'm not quitting. Sure, I dropped the ball, but I'm not giving up. Yeah, they said some bad things about me. The truth is I said some bad things about them too, but we're not going to act like we do that. We're righteous and they're the devil. That's how that works. But anyway, they said, but that's not enough for me to quit because my identity is not possession. My identity is not even accomplishment. My identity is character and who God says I am. Come on, somebody. Number five, and I'm almost done. Even in the face of failure, be a worshiper. So living, you know, where we're facing failure is not an excuse not to be a worshiper. I'm a worshiper in spite of anything that I face in my life. I choose to be a worshiper because worship is not about my identity. It's about his identity. You see, my identity rises and falls. Like after I've won something, I like myself better. You see, my identity went up. It's like if I tell my wife we best get that dinner done as soon as possible and she goes in the kitchen and gets to cooking, then my identity goes up. That's funny. I don't care what y'all say. <laughs> That's a good way for me to have to buy food is to act like that. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> my wife's like, you best get out DoorDash because you keep talking. You'll see if you get some home-cooked food. <laughs> my identity rises and falls with how good I think I'm doing. You see what I'm saying? It does. My identity's like this. Oh, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm the biggest failure that ever lived. I can't even crawl out from under my bed until my wife starts being nice to me. And, ooh, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. My identity goes up and down. God's identity doesn't. God's like, bam. Before Abraham was, I am. God's identity doesn't go up and down. When I'm in trouble, mine does. His doesn't. When I'm facing drama, dilemma, setback, mine goes up and down. God's doesn't. It's before Abraham was, I am. Finished. Settled. The way the truth, and the life. Somebody say, bam. That's right. The way, the truth, and the life. Bam. God's identity's not doing this. Mind's identity's doing this. As a result of God's identity's always in the highest heaven, 
I can be a worshiper no matter how I feel like I'm doing. And I can stare failure in the face and I can say, God is great and greatly to be praised. Back to Daniel. I'm almost done. There's this moment in the story of Daniel where uh, the son of the king who Daniel knew well, Nebuchadnezzar, is in power. And his name is Belshazzar. He's the son of that king. And um, he has a dream and he remembers Daniel had been able to interpret the dream and he calls Daniel in and uh, Daniel gives him an interpretation Um, uh, something that happened to Nebuchadnezzar now this is Belshazzar's father Nebuchadnezzar had exalted himself up even though God had manifest himself in his kingdom through Daniel and the three Hebrew children and even though Nebuchadnezzar had been humbled like for example the fiery furnace and making everybody bow to the golden image and then he backtracks and says no one can speak against the God of Daniel and uh, the, the, the Hebrew children and uh, he had learned even so he was lifted up in pride the Bible says and as a result of that he went literally insane and for several years he um, wandered in the, 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 the palace gardens and that, that court of the palace uh, almost insane and he almost lived he totally lost uh, his sense of self and he almost lived as a beast and of course his court tried to take care of him as best as possible but he was deeply deeply insane and when he finally came back to his right mind he repented and he said I had now this is Nebuchadnezzar Belshazzar's father he said I've done this all wrong um, exalting me is a path to insanity I, I've got to I've got to exalt God and that was his story that's one of the testimonies of his life now his son Belshazzar does the same thing and he has this dream he's living the same way his father did living riotously exalting self trying to pronounce himself as a deity all that kind of crazy and stuff and he has this disturbing dream because humanity we don't make good gods we know how limited we are and we know everything beyond that is a lie now sometimes we're good at lying to ourselves and acting like we know things we don't know but beyond the reality that I am very weak and limited everything above that's a lie that will make you crazy and put you in crazy circumstances And so he has this disturbing dream. He calls Daniel in. And this is what Daniel says to him. King Belshazzar, though you knew all that happened to your father, Nebuchadnezzar, you didn't learn from his life and you still refuse to humble yourself before God who rules from heaven. Daniel 5, verse number 22. Uh, What happens here is Belshazzar loses his kingdom because he could not learn the lesson of humbling self and worshiping God. This is the lesson I want you to learn. Some of the things you try are going to be awesome. And you're going to think you're better than you actually are. <laughs> and some of the things you try are going to fall flat on this face. And you're going to be you're going to feel like you're worse than you actually are. Sometimes you're going to feel smarter than you actually are. And sometimes you're going to feel dumber than you actually are. You are not a good judge of you. But a sure way to drive yourself crazy is to make your life primarily about you. There's a better way to do it. Step out of the up and down cycle of your emotions. I'm a success, I'm a success, oh, I'm a failure, I'm a failure, I'm a failure, oh, I'm a success, I'm a success, oh, I'm a failure, I'm a failure. Get out of that and say, I'm a worshiper. God is in heaven. God is on his holy hill, as it were. And I'm going to exalt his name. And so, facing failure, we are going to 
to number one, remind ourselves that failure is a learning opportunity and we should never stop learning. We're going to take a long view on our efforts. Number three, we're going to humble ourselves already. We're not too good to fail. Number four, we're going to view um, failure or all of our efforts through our values and not our wants, wishes, and lusts. And number five, we are going to choose to be a worshiper even in the face of failure. First Timothy 6, verse number 21. Some people have missed the most important thing in life. They don't know God. Oh, I want to say it again, and I want someone to act like you heard me. Some people have missed the most important thing in life. They don't know God. The most important thing in your life is connecting to your Creator and knowing God. Oh, I feel the presence of the Lord here today. I've come to tell somebody you ought to try already to make a difference in your world. I've come to tell somebody you ought to take a chance already to make a difference in your world. You are anointed. You are empowered. You can make a difference. Sure, your emotions will make you feel like it's not enough. Step out of the emotion game and say, God has anointed me. God has called me. God has empowered me. And I am going to make a difference. I am going to turn away from this self that seeks to imprison me. I'm going to find my cross of purpose, my cross of redemptive purpose to make a difference in my world, to make my broken world whole. And I'm going to then follow after Jesus Christ. Stand with me all across the house. Oh, I feel the presence of the Lord here today. How many of you have a need in your life right now? Just raise your hand wherever you are. All across that you. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four or five stars. By doing so, you will help others find our free podcast and bless them. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, please text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come worship with us.